0: What kind of fun gear is going on your Christmas wish list? You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a Veopreneur. Welcome to the Everyday Veopreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. While you're doing your Black Friday slash Cyber Monday shopping, make sure you go to vopreneur.com. Go to vopreneur.com forward slash store. That's vopreneur.com forward slash store. And use promo code BLACKFRIDAY to save 20% off all of my marketing class offerings that are there. 20% off using promo code BLACKFRIDAY at Vopreneur.com forward slash store, and the offer expires on Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. The Vopreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original, everyday vealpreneur. With the holidays approaching, it's time to get those letters to Santa written and mailed. And I'm sure you've got a wish list for what you'd like to have in your studio. And if you don't, I think you probably will by the time this episode is done. My guest today, in addition to being a top-level voice actor who has worked on thousands of projects for clients ranging from Old Navy to Lego to Blizzard Entertainment— is also an audio ninja, helping voice actors find the right gear, get their home studios set up, making sure everything sounds exactly the way that it's supposed to sound. Welcome to the show, Jordan Reynolds. Hey, thanks for having me, Mark. (laughs) This is going to be be fun because we're going to help everybody else spend all their money. I don't have to worry about spending any of mine. I think I got most of the stuff, although you're probably going to tell me something. I'm going to be like, oh, I need that. This is possible. Yeah, let's help everybody else spend their money as we head towards the (laughs) holiday season. I was like, we got to get this episode out just in time for Black Friday and all of the amazing deals that will be popping up, whether it's (laughs) Amazon, Sweetwater, whatever, and and give people a list of things that they might want to be looking at. So we'll start with microphones. All right. I'm assuming that we need like an RE20, an SM7B, and we're... (laughs) Yeah, you're we're, we're, we're good to go for for voiceover. But I'm curious about, you know, let, let's talk budget ranges. Let's let's say we've got, you know, kind of your entry level for the voice actor who's maybe setting up their home studio initially, uh, maybe something for in the middle for somebody who's looking for a slight upgrade. And, and then there are those, those fortunate people out there who laugh in the face of budget and can buy whatever the heck they want. So <laughs> w- what are your recommendations in, across those ranges?
1: First, I think we need to define like what low and medium budget are. And I kind of low budget, I try to put in the category of like a hundred and fifty and under or even a hundred and under. And that's just the microphone itself. And as you know, it's like a lot of microphones actually, you know, are just an XLR mic and you have to hook it up to an audio interface. So you can't do anything with that mic really until you have other parts that go with it. Right. But um in that hundred, you know, hundred and fifty dollar or lower range, the MXL nine ninety varies in price. Sometimes I've seen it like $60. <laughs> it's wow. crazy, but it's, it just sounds so good for the money. The noise floor is really quiet on it. It's got a real warm tone. It's a little, but it's a little cheap, bright sounding, but not terrible. It just sounds really good for the money for a large diaphragm condenser. Um, so that's okay. usually far under a hundred bucks. Then if you get a little over that hundred dollar range, um, I really love the audio technica, a T eight, seven, five R. It's a little shotgun okay. mic. So it's like half the length as a 416, probably. And I think that's usually, you know, with inflation, everything keeps going up. And we're talking US dollars here. I know you have a big Canadian audience too. I, I can speak in US dollar terms, sorry. <laughs> but um that that audio techno mic I was talking about, I love it because it's tiny, it stays out of your way. Large yep. diaphragm mics are just they're they're just bigger, you know, and they're, they're more big, yep. in your face and like a lot of there's a lot of voice acting, and I have to do it sometimes when I go into studios. In, That's in why in LA.
0: the U87 stays off to the side when I'm recording.
1: <laughs> the, yeah, right, exactly. And um, and it's it's not to veer too off topic, but it's hard because when it's it's so big, like you, there's only so off-axis it can get before it starts to sound bad, and it sounds right. You start hearing the room and hollow. Yeah. Um, the benefit of the shotgun mics, big or small, is you can get it focused really like tight on your on your mouth. Without it being in your visual periphery to you know read the damn script, so um, that's what I love about the, that little shotgun. And it's um, it, it kind of has a built-in high-pass filter too. So if you have a real woofy, woof, woof, boxy, like small closet or something you're recording in, that the Audio Technica mic I'm talking about is already kind of kind of scoop out some of that bass that you don't okay. probably need or want in your space for no extra cost. And then then let's talk medium budget, but. I am a big fan of the Rode NT1 Fifth Gen, the new one that came out. It's okay. 250 US, and it is—it has so many features for the money. But most importantly, it sounds good. And to not go down too far of a rabbit hole, because I think we might talk about like the features that it can do later. But it is a USB mic, and it is also an XLR mic. So it—that's always the problem—is like if you get a USB mic, you're stuck with that if you ever want to upgrade down the line. You want right. to hook up and you want to get like a, an actual audio interface and have more control or more features and right. maybe a cleaner sound. You're stuck with, if it's just a USB mic, this completely you know, abolishes that rule because they have two and one for the same price. But it's got a quieter noise floor than the TLM 103, I believe. Um, and the tone is really flat and neutral. It's got a little bit of brightness, but it's not as bright as the TLM 103. So in general, I, I tend to love... <laughs> Just how a lot, how the NT1 for $250 sounds. And I think if you're getting your first mic, you really should consider getting spending around maybe that $250 price range because it's not that much more. And it's, and it's going to, the sound is going to be noticeable, but also just the longevity of it. Cause it's, it's XLR. You have the flexibility of USB, which we'll talk about later. Yep. Um, so that's, that's one of my favorites at that mid, but low price point, um, up in the medium, there, there's man, there's a lot of options once we get like 250 and above. So, yeah. um, medium, I kind of define maybe 250 to like five, 600. All right. Um, but two of my other favorites, I can't, you know, to, to make this podcast not four hours long, <laughs> I really love the it keeps going up though, it might be almost 600. God, like over the past few years, just gone up the Shure, that's S H U R E, Shure, not the SM7B. But the KSM32 is one of my favorite mics for people who have really bright sibilance. And they okay. want a large diaphragm condenser, that natural TLM103 or U87 sound, but they've been told that their S's are really bright and they're shrill and they're distracting from the performance. You don't want that. You know, if it's too loud, yep. it's going to be, the listener is going to be like this, you know, for those who are watching the, this interview. <laughs> I just made very, I made convulsion faces like I was, you know, getting, Ice pick S's in my eye. That's, that's how the, it's, the it's not an enjoyable thing to listen to. No, or feel. So um, the, the Shure KSM32, uh, it's it, it actually cuts where a lot of the sibilance built up on most voices. So it doesn't, whereas other mics, boost where the sibilance is on most voices. Because it sounds good when you're not saying S's. <sighs> like when I say, hello, all that boost of the brightness up there gives it this airy, uh, crisp. A lot of people just use the word crisp uh, quality to it. But then when the S's come out, then it sounds terrible. So right. there's a lot of ways to address that with like DSing and stuff like that. I'll talk about later. But um, the KSN32 kind of is like a natural DSer in a way. Okay. So, and then um, another one I love and uh, I, I'm going to be playing more with is the Roswell Audio Mini K87. That's M I N I, Mini K87. And no, yeah, it is not a u87 clone all right i'll make that clear there's so many u87 clone mics out there and there's some good ones and some really shnike, snikey ones i don't I gotta keep my mouth clean on this um save <laughs> me so, editing time later yeah exactly and uh, so you don't have to you know you can upload this to youtube I'm like yes this is for children um <laughs> <laughs> it's a kid's show but the uh mini k87 is i should know i think it's 500 mini k87 sorry give me a second Mini K eighty seven mic. I think it's four ninety nine, four thirty nine, or if you get the mod, it's four. So it's under five hundred bucks. And what I love about it is, I should have pulled it out. I should not have time, but it's mini. The name mini is in it for a reason. It's tiny. It's not as small as like the Apogee uh, mic, the USB mic. Okay, but it's it's almost like between like a. You know, I really wish I had it, but it's in a box. It'd take me a minute. But like, here's an Audio Technica AT twenty twenty. Okay, it's, yeah. it's I think it's like this high. And oh, it's wow. thinner, it's thinner than this mic. So back to what I was talking about, like it's hard to position your mic sometimes and be able to see your script and perform. Yep. The Mini k 7 is so tiny, it gives you that flexibility to really position yep. it with it and it be out of your dang face. Um, and it has, what I love about it is it has like a vibe of a U87, but again, that what they're not trying to match it. They're not trying okay. to do an exact sound. It uses the capsule, which is the little disc that's in there, a similar capsule. It's a flavor of a U87. Think of it that way. It's like if you had a, a modded U87 and you did some stuff to it. Essentially, it's less bright and it has a little bit more body. The U87 scoops out a lot of bass, um, whereas like the 416 has more bass. This mini one kind of like takes up, it kind of addresses some of the stuff I don't love about the U87. I okay. really do love the mic, but there's sometimes I wish it did this or that. This mini actually addresses that. It makes it less bright and it kind of gives more body. So it's, it's a really nice sounding mic for the market especially for under 500 bucks um so that's in the mid-range and then yeah i guess we're going up to high budget right <laughs> at this point when budget is not an option <laughs> yeah and and you just need to like interrupt me because you know how many i don't know how many gear lists you want to go through but i'm just trying to keep it like two <laughs> per budget category um and the high budget we got um i mean the 416 is just a great go-to i yep. really do love like it's you know it, it just sounds good on most voices i'm not gonna lie it's not like the best mic for everyone right but it's pretty rare when i hear 416 in a good space on someone i'm like ah nah. you know if anything the s's might be a little bright i was just working with someone today and very bright s's but i guarantee if i put like a tlm 103 on her instead of a 416 it would be even more bright because that might yeah shrill on s's so um other than the s's being a little too bright sometimes it just has a clear focus rich in your face, but not too in your face like a dynamic like a sure SM7B would have. So um that's one of my favorites at that thousand dollar price point. The 103 is solid, but only if you have a amazingly quiet space. If
0: you're in a blanket booth, you're in an apartment, don't get a 103. I think that's something that's really important for people to understand though, right? Is that the microphone, you know, no matter how much money you throw at it, it it can only perform as well as the space that you are putting yes. it in. that's where i really like the 416 just because it tends to be a little bit more forgiving right correct and i i
1: it, because it's a shotgun versus a large diaphragm condenser and a shotgun yep. is kind of like you know with you know flashlights you not all of them but not the cheap ones but i don't know more than 20 dollars worth flashlights you could twist the end and the beam you know if you're camping yep. you know how useful those beams are it's like oh, i need a yep. wide range so I don't walk into a tree and, and break my arm in the middle of the forest and then you can have the narrow beam if you're looking for something in your tent um, you twist it. So think of the, the beam being a lot more narrow on a shotgun and yeah. so it's not hearing as much of your voice in the space going whoa, whoa, whoa. all that crap. Your voice yep. is bouncing around and making unpleasant tones in your space. A 416 is more forgiving um, to not pick those up as much because it has a narrow field of pickup versus the 103 that hears everything including you know a mouse fart, an ant yep. fart, a piece of uh, a mitochondria fart, all right so <laughs> it here is like it is so i'm not exaggerating man like it is just so unrelentingly like brutal with how bad it will make your space <laughs> i love neumann i love their products but just that like they have other mics that don't that aren't as brutal the 103 is the ultimate test like when we were setting up mara's studio um and she's like in a full-blown room mm-hmm. right not like in a build you know a prefab booth so yep. we're dealing with like the window in front of her on the other side is the world. Yep. Okay. The window behind me in my studio bricks, what's on the other side, another room. And then there's walls and then the world. I have a lot of barriers. She does not. So what do I do is put up the one Oh three and run record it for like three hours. And I, oh. I listen back and I pull it up in RX and I'm like, where oh, 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 there, there's a little squeak there's and like you could hear like bird chirps coming through the window like when we didn't have it dialed in enough. right and then I put a different mic up and you don't hear it and the 103 is just it's just brutal it's brutal yeah. so not in, unless if you have a, an amazingly perfectly quiet space many people do especially if you're like in a basement or something like that um the 103 is definitely uh it can be an amazing mic for you so, and then finally, Lewitt makes really great mics. They have the, they keep changing, but they have like a 640 or a 1040. They have one that you can dial. I think it's the Lewitt 1040. That's a higher budget mic, but this is a microphone that lets you dial in tube or FET. And FET just means clean. Let's we'll put it that way in non-technical terms. So it's like having multiple microphones in one. Okay. And you can just slide this volume, this this literal knob that you plug the mic into and get a wide range of flavors in one microphone. And then the cherry on top for the final budget in that $1,000 range is the UAD Sphere LX. There's the Sphere DLX, which is $1,500. And then there's the LX, which is 1000 There's very minor differences in between them without going too down that rabbit hole. I actually recommend the LX for most voice actors okay. because it gets the job done. Um, and the differences are fair, quite negligible between the two in terms of voice actors concerns go, but it requires a UAD Apollo interface, but the benefit of these sphere mics, and it's what I have floating behind me right now. And my wife, it's all we use. <laughs> I have four sixteen on my desk for doing, you know, coaching and interviews and stuff like that. And I do some auditions out here, but in my booth, the, the Sphere microphone, I can turn it into a 416. I can turn it into a U87. I can turn it into a 103. I, and then 30 other mics. I can blend. I wow. can do like half 103, half 416. It's crazy. You can change the pickup pattern. I can make it super hypercardioid or wide. Car, like
0: there's the world is your that's, oyster. That's because of the combination with the, the Apollo you're saying? Correct. Technically, okay.
1: you can use it without an Apollo, but you have to do all that mic stuff afterwards. Okay. aka it's a pain in the ass to do it afterwards okay you don't you don't you do not want to get a sphere mic without an apollo i'm just keeping okay. it real okay so but it's when you have those two together so five hundred dollar cheapest apollo one thousand dollar cheapest sphere mic you're fifteen hundred bucks and you have every dang mic got everything yeah. that you'll need and it sounds amazing
0: As we work our way towards the new year, I hope that you are spending a little bit of time thinking about your goals for 2024. What are the things that you are going to accomplish in your voiceover business? I want you to think about it. I want you to write it down. And I want you to start making a plan filled with action items that are going to take you closer to that goal. If one of your goals is to level up your marketing so that you can increase your revenue and grow your business, maybe voiceover marketing playbook should be on your goal list. Voiceover Marketing Playbook is back January 8th through the 17th, 2024. That's January 8th through the 17th, 2024. A step-by-step, easy-to-follow video course that is going to teach you how to find your own leads, build your own client base, and become the consistently working voice actor that you want to be. Because in today's industry, you can't just rely on agents and online casting. You have to know how to market. Again, Playbook is back January 8th. Through the 17th, 2024, and you'll be able to get details at voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. That's voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. Now back to our show. I want to go back to you you touched on the, the fifth generation road, the the NT1. I think this is a really interesting mic. I, I'm not an audio guy, but I, I pay attention a little bit. And obviously, USB mics have been primarily frowned upon for for quite some time in the voice acting space i think it's just because we think you know whatever yeti or whatever it is but this this, <laughs> this road is yeah th- this road is interesting because it's both and i mean i'm maybe there's other ones out there that give you the xlr and the usb i i just don't know about them but it's the first one that i've heard about but talk about that is 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 xlr or is usb technology or sound quality catching up with xlr or like what's what's the deal with that Obviously, it's nice to not have to have an interface; makes yeah. it a little more portable. Yeah, but do we have to worry about is there going to be a sound difference between whether you go USB or or XLR on it?
1: That's a really good question, and it's interesting because on the notion of USB mics being frowned upon in in, in professional VO world, that's the fact that it's USB is actually not the problem. All right, because what okay. are you plugging your thousand dollar four sixteen into? a focus right 2A2 what is coming yep. out of your focus right usb
0: yeah usb <laughs> right?
1: cable going into your macbook just like everything else yeah exactly but it's the association of like a microphone with the usb cable equals cheap and bad and oh, and why is that because why was it invented because for people to just be able to record themselves podcast streamers even you know entry level voice actors cheaply and it sound better than the built-in mic on their laptop screen Right. okay and so what they did is they they get a mic that's a little better sounding so the microphone itself is okay sounding and then it just happens to be connected via usb so you don't have to get an xlr cable and you don't have to get an audio interface because that's more money they're like let's take an audio interface and put it inside of the mic yep. but it's like a multifunction printer right you get a multi-function printer and it's like Oh, it can fax, it can, it can scan, it can print color, it can do it like it can wash your dishes, but it does one of those things good and everything else it's terrible at, right? So it's kind of similar with the USB mics. It's like the, uh, well, to say the audio interface part of it, where it's converting your voice into a digital signal going into your computer, it's not doing a poor job on that technology of of audio analog to digital conversion is the term where it takes your voice that's in the real world and puts it into the beep, boop, beep, beep, boop, and down on the cable and it goes in your computer that's the conversion process that conversion process has gotten so good for such cheap such a cheap amount of money now so that's that's like in the 90s or early 2000s there was like poor conversion it is so negligible at this point especially for just spoken word and with those mics they um they always had pretty good conversion, but the microphone itself that was happened to be paired with the USB was kind of meh. So right. there just wasn't any good mics. The first ones that started to come out were the Apogee mic. Remember that? But it was like 250 or $300. They just keep going yeah. up. But it sounds really good for a USB mic. And it's not that. So they're the ones who kind of started to break that mold of USB mics equal bad. So now enter the generation of the Rode NT1 where they have the fifth gen that is. And they have both USB and XLR. So it's not a nature, I know it's kind of a long winded way, but some people might find that history of it fascinating. And to not, it's not fair to associate all USB mics are bad because uh, people like Apogee and Rode are breaking that notion by having two things a very good sounding mic going through a very good sounding USB converter, which essentially is an audio interface. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it really is. When you think about it, it is a it's a perception thing. Like we're not recording on real to real anymore, but that was analog, <laughs> like an XLR. So yeah. you know, like technology changes, technology improves, but maybe we need to just uh, you know watch some of those notions because it, you know it is a different USB A versus USB C was was different in how speeds and and data transfer and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's just I know it's a mic that a lot of people are talking about and. And some of the functionality that's built into it is nice if you you know want to be able to take it on the road with you. You know, you're going to a conference or something like that. You don't want to have to pack up your interface or everything. It does give you that that backup option. One other question for Mike's then. I uh, I'm almost ashamed to admit because I'm worried that I'm going to get called out for it. But I do not have fancy Mogami cables <gasps> on my on my microphones. <laughs> I'm a cheap Canadian. Oh what can God. I tell you?
1: I God my God
0: I have to del- uh. it's it's so funny because if you actually go into some of these Facebook groups and you see some of these guys and they're like they're, it's like you buy this fancy microphone and if you don't buy hundred dollar gold plated diamond encrusted cables to go along with it like you just don't know what you're doing and, and it's like you might as well have just went and bought a USB is there really that much of a difference? I mean, I could see if you go and buy, like, the knockoff, no-name, Amazon recommends, you know, $5 XLR. Yeah, but if you're getting a trash. decent XLR cable, is there that much of a difference? Most of the time,
1: no. Okay. More, more of the time, no. As long as you're not getting, yeah, the cheapest of the cheap. Like, the cheapest of the cheap versus a, a Mogami, which the price keeps going up just like everything. But, like, yep. I think the six-foot version is around 60 US now. <clears throat> okay. And... Um, But what it, I preach Mogami cables because it's more of a preventative measure, right? So it's like, it's kind of like eating healthy <laughs> instead of just like, I'm just going to keep, you know, eating a hamburger like McDonald's every day. And just Are you judging me because crimes. I drink too much Dr. Pepper right now? Like, <laughs> no. is that what's going on here? <laughs> I see no Dr. Pepper in your camera frame, but that's just your insecurities coming out. You don't, sorry, you don't know concerned. what's in here. <laughs> Smart. Cover it up. Honey, what's in the Yeti? Open the lid. <laughs> I could see it now. It's going to be a very tumultuous Christmas Eve. Um, all right. So where was I? Uh, Mogami. So um, instead of just eating, you know, your cheap cable all the time, and what are the yeah. risks of a cheap cable? The biggest thing is that it's just the build quality. So it can easily malfunction, break. Like I literally just, when I was being all dramatic and you know, when you were saying I don't have good cables, I rolled over my headphone cable. Well, these headphones are really expensive. So they're gonna have a nice cable. I've rolled over this headphone cable with my wheels on my chair, with my, yep. all my body weight multiple yep. times and they're still fine. If I did that with a $5 Amazon XLR cable, that might've been all it took. To destroy it right to where or it creates a, a problem or noise a mogami cable very likely would have withstood that and a hundred other roles so there's one there's durability so that's just like how long it's going to last and a good cable like mogami will last like literally a lifetime and especially in a, in a vo studio where you're never moving it on the road yeah. touring traveling different story because you're constantly moving it right it's like but if it just sits there all the time it's going to last for a really long time so but then there's the other variable of why even consider mogami if there's not much of a difference in sound is the other preventative thing is noise and um interference of stuff getting into your audio and what do we have in our booths we have most people you have your microphone and your headphones your audio interface. But what a lot of people are also doing, right, is they have a surge protector around there somewhere to plug in their laptop. If you don't have a laptop in your booth, you have a monitor. So that has power, right? Electricity. A lot of I'm us I'm looking have over lamps. your
0: shoulder at your fancy LED lights in your booth. And yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, no, though, no, there's something that might generate some noise too. Yep. So
1: not only, so there's two types of noise. Without getting to the rabbit hole, there's noise that literally, if you put your ear up to those lights or that electrical outlet, you're going to hear like, yep, right? yep. Then there's noise that your ear cannot actually hear and it's phantom. It's literally like invisible to the ear and it will get in to your recording with cheaper cables. Okay. If, if, if that cheaper cable is within a vicinity, which is very common in our booths because we have no space to perform, let alone manage our cables. If they're kind of overlapping and doing stuff, a cheaper cable is much more likely to get and you're going to, you're going to lose your freaking mind trying to figure out what's going on. Whereas a Mogami cable has built-in shielding and protection and RF protection to like, even like radio waves, like over, you know, we've we all, I don't know if it happens with modern stuff, but like, have you ever picked up like a radio? Like you literally, you're like, is that someone on a walkie talkie? Am I recording? What's happening? have You ever
0: had that? I remember back in the <laughs> day that I'm about to sound really old here. I used to have a CB radio.
1: Yeah. It sounds like
0: CB radio people. And, and I, I, yeah, I would I would pick stuff up like it would come through. I would get it, pick up noise off of that, off of my, on, on my computer. That was yeah. <laughs> right. It's so weird and creepy,
1: but yeah. So Mogami cables are generally going to be uh, better at rejecting that. And that's important when you're doing this as a profession, not as a hobby. Right. Mm-hmm. And for $60, that's worth it. And then finally, in terms of noise, it's good at rejecting noise. The other thing is cheaper cables may, it's not a rule have more built in noise, meaning not buzz, but just more of a like F okay. as in Frank, you know, when you turn your mic gain up and it just yep yep. cheaper equipment tends, not a rule, but tends to have more, it's called self noise, the more okay. gain that you run through it. So a $5 Amazon cable, it is more likely to have more or hiss, whatever you want to call it, than a $60 Mogami cable. So if this Mo- if this Mogami cable was 150 bucks versus the you know a, a mid-range $30 cable, I wouldn't be so, you know, like preaching it. Get Mogami, right. get Mogami. But like 60 bucks it's just a no-brainer as a preventative.
0: Well, especially if you're going to spend right? 500 or $1000 yeah. on a on a microphone, another 500 or $1000 depending on what you buy for an interface, right? Like at that point what's what's another 60 bucks to yep. bring all the pieces of the puzzle Great. So okay, so I know what I'll be watching for on Black Friday special then. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. I, it's so popular though. I I I hope they put it on Black Friday sale, but they'd be like, "We
0: don't need to put it on sale." That's
1: everyone buys everybody's
0: going to everybody's buying them anyway. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about interfaces. I mean, you you touched on it earlier when you when you talked about how everybody has their microphone plugged into a Scarlett 2i2. <laughs> it feels like that is a rite of passage as you yeah. As you come into the voiceover industry, you know, one of the first things that you do is you have to go out and buy a 2i2. A I'm not really sure what it was that made that the entry industry standard, other than maybe the price point uh, or good marketing. I'm not sure. I think it's a combo um, of both. Yeah, combo of both. But let's put that one aside. Since... I think everybody's basically aware of it at at this point. Yeah. Uh, What else is out there for interfaces? And I'm also curious to hear your thoughts on how much of a difference, if you take out plugins and and software, how much of a difference is there from one interface to the next interface? If it's just plugging in your, your XLR and then your USB to your computer.
1: It's a great question. So let's start with that. Cause that's kind of like let's start at the, the bare bones of it all, right? Like, why would I spend 150 bucks on an interface, or why would I spend 500 or more on an interface if I can get one for 150? Is there gonna be a difference with that? Mm-hmm. So all features aside, so compressors or or you know, high gain mode or like sp- or the the air button on those focus, right? Some of them have, right? That that that's like a tonal feature. We're just talking like if you match the gain, if you plug the same mic into both interfaces and you turned up the gain and you were able to record that mic, your one performance through splitting between the like a $1,000 Apollo and $150 Steinberg UR12 or a Focusrite Scarlet, and you playing back for most voice actors, hardly any are going to hear a different. Like they're really, I don't right. know, they sound the same. Just keeping it real. And that's yep. because one of the big reasons is that the conversion technology of where it's taking your analog voice and it's putting it into the computer that conversion has just gotten so good for the price, so that is a low like that is no longer a uh, a comparable for for the most part for spoken word issue. So what you are getting at baseline uh, between an expensive and a cheap interface is kind of similar to what I was talking about with the cables: better build quality, right. uh, better quality control, right? Probably going to last longer and uh, be more. Uh, it's going to be just better in terms of just like more rugged. Right. If you, if you okay. drop it, yep. spill something out, maybe, right. Yep. And then, um, but also the noise thing I was telling you about, right. So if you turn up a focus, right. Scarlet preamp to like, if you max it out, it's just, I can't remember if, if it's 55 or 60 DB of gain when it comes with, but let's say it's, let's say you can crank it to 50 DB of gain and you take an Apollo same mic and you crank it to 50 DB of gain in the same space and you hit record. It's not guaranteed, but it's likely that the Apollo might be a few DB quieter. And us voice actors are just dying to get a few dBs shaved off our noise floor, right? Yep. Um, And in addition to that, the preamps that are built into these auto interfaces, so the auto interface is just the whole thing, and then there's a preamp inside of it, and that's what's amplifying your voice through the microphone. Those tend to just be, can handle more dynamic range. Like they can handle, they don't crap themselves when it gets too loud. And if you do any sort of character work, this is something that, you know you may want to look out for focus rights are still like they can they can handle it there's a plenty of voice like video game voice actors who are using scarlet's okay yep but yep. if you're gonna do any sort of loud vocals or singing in addition to dynamic character work something like an apollo or an ssl2 which is just a little more expensive that's pretty much the same price actually um there's just a little bit better build quality that those preamps can handle that volume coming at them without it going and it literally will distort not because the not because your your gain is cranked up too loud, but because of literally the, it's, it's the physics of, a, of it going into the thing, kind of like some microphones are really bad at it too. It's called sound right. pressure level SPL, but anyway, so apples to apples, that's, that's not really what you're paying for is this huge upgrade in sound quality. It's a little upgrade, yep, little right
0: for kind of a big price. So what are you paying for the features? That's what yeah. it comes down to. Yeah. And th- I mean, that's definitely where there's a difference. I just, I think you gotta that that needs to be understood though because man sometimes there's some serious gear shaming that happens because <laughs> you know you don't have the right according to whomever you don't have the right <laughs> interface or the right microphone or whatever and you know like you said apples to apples comparison you're not talking about huge upgrades now obviously the Apollo offers a ton over the two i two but if your objective is to connect your microphone to your computer they you know basically do the same thing but okay so let's talk then. I'm sure the Apollo is going to come up as one of your your recommended <laughs> uh, interfaces here. I suspect we'll have that conversation. But what what else are you you know what what other ones could we be looking at?
1: Well, yeah, well, I don't know if I mentioned it, but in that budget range, like the SSL two is pretty solid. Um, I think some PC users haven't had the best experience with it, but okay. Mac users tend to be happy with it. Um, the real low budget one, the Steinbar- 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 Steinberg Steinbarg Steinberg Steinberg UR twelve, yep, is is great. Anything Audient makes is pretty solid, but specifically the ID line, they have, I think they have another one that's, I'm not sure if it's ID, but it's a little more like for musicians, like with auto gain and stuff like that. Not ideal for voiceover work, kind of in the way. Um, But, and then uh, in in that, it's weird. It's kind of like there's this lower budget range, like of a hundred up to 300 and then just everything above it, like is, then it's like 500 to and then, if you just want more preamps, and it, it goes up to like four thousand, right? Right. But after that, it's pretty much Apollo's Apogee duets, or I don't know if they still make the duet, but it's Apogee something. I think it's a duet. But um anything Apogee makes, RME. It's R, uh, you know, Richard, Michael, Edward. So it's, it's a German company. That's what I used for years before I went okay. Apollo. Okay. Um. So RME, Apogee, and UAD, Universal Audio. Those are the, the, the mid, honestly, higher tier um, audio interfaces that come with really good quality components uh, and between all of them, very, a wide range of varying features so that let you shape the tone of your audio. However, okay. to, f- to wrap that up, please devil's advocate, there's budget interfaces now that are finally coming with similar features. Do they give you as much versatility? Maybe not, but like the Presonus Revelator they have a like IO twenty four and I. There's a few of them. It's just preamp. How many channels you get? But Personas Revelator has built-in software where you can do compression, uh, an expander, EQ. They don't have a deesser, which which is a bummer. But for the I think it's like hundred fifty bucks. So I kind of call that like the poor man's Apollo, where you can kind of still shape your sound, but you can't have the sound of an Avalon or the manly Vox box. That's where you're getting that premium. It's like modeled after legendary stuff that the Beatles used and other people in multi-million dollar studios. And you can put that in
0: a piece of software. That's what you're paying for at that price point. So let's talk about on the, on that software side, generally speaking, we're, we're supposed to be, you know, I'll use air quotes here, sending raw audio to, to producers or whatever, but with some of these different interfaces, like the Apollo, it allows you to do everything pre. So on the way into the computer as yeah. opposed to post, right? After in Adobe Audition or, or whatever. So talk a little bit about that then, because if you're using some of these features on the Apollo, once you've recorded with those features on, that's your sound, right? You, you're you not yeah. taking that that off after. So I'm guessing you gotta be careful or know what you're doing or have somebody set it up for you to make sure that it's done properly. Correct,
1: yep. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, that, that's one of the biggest reasons why I, I made the, the the UAD Apollo course is because there's a lot of talent who buy this the because everyone talks about it, right? It's very yep, popular yep. in the voiceover world, especially yep. for, for for very established pros, because you know where they're 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 in that fortunate position to invest more money in their gear. Um, or they just have stupid money. Uh, <laughs> and they just want all the toys. But technically it's not raw if you have any of that processing, whether you're using the $150 personas revelator and you do some compression EQ there's an option to make it permanent and get in the recording same with the apollo you can make it just where you hear in your headphones only or it lands inside of the daw or in source connect and, and you can't do anything about it but you can get away with calling your audio raw i don't it's not like i'm trying to be deceitful when i say this but like every without going through a big tangent here every space no matter how much money like I have an expensive studio bricks behind me, but it doesn't sound perfect on my voice on every mic, every space you record in, no matter how big or small or expensive or cheap, there is what I call in non-technical terms junk that's getting into the audio with your voice. Right. And that is too much bass, perhaps if you're in a small space or like I was talking about with like the one Oh three, too much sibilance can happen on some voices. That's junk. So it's anything that distracts the listener, no matter how technical they are, whether they're an engineer or a casting director. If they are distracted from your performance, then that is junk that is in your audio that needs to be tamed in one way or another. And that's Mm -hmm. what I teach in my courses or if someone hires me, I go through the prevention stage. Let's do mic placement. That makes a huge difference. Just mic placement alone is just how much you can change your sound. But in addition to that, it's like, okay, ah, there's too much bass, but let's get some bass traps. Let's put them over in this part of your space. let the lower the mic. Maybe have you considered sitting? That might be a last resort option to kind of help. But, but, but. So there's this whole prevention phase, just like eating well, right? You want to put good stuff yep. in your body versus just putting the aid on like, Hey, Jordan, uh, my audio sounds like crap, and I bought the cheapest mic ever, and I have like one piece of foam on the wall. Can you make me a preset? No. You know, and, and, and my style is I don't, um, as far as when I help people, their audio, I don't, I don't do like offline. Here's a preset. It's just, it's, there's so many things you can do in the prevention stage. So I, I, I require a live console talking to you virtually, and then we dial everything in together. So because of that, there's junk that gets into this, into your audio. And that is when processing, you can do very gentle processing. If you know what you're doing, like if you learned it through my course, or you hire someone like myself or George or Roy. And um, or Tim, I know you know there's a bunch of us to dial that in for you to where you could submit it to like a for a commercial gig, and they're gonna and just say, oh yeah, it's my raw audio, it's raw, mm-hmm. it's raw, yes. But they won't know because it just
0: sounds good because that's what guys like us are trying to dial it in. We're we're getting. But that's to, that's the key right there. You said though, like if I'm gonna get if I'm gonna go out and get an Apollo, I am gonna not do it right, like. <laughs> It's a, I will, it's I will take it not, too far yeah. or I Possibly. will, you know, push it far, you know, play with too many buttons or, or whatever. So <laughs> I guess that's the big thing is if you're going to go yes. that route, particularly if you're doing it pre so that you can't change it after the fact, yes. it's making sure that you've got somebody that's setting it up for you properly so that you know that what you're recording is right and good and, you know, suits your space, your mic, your, your voice, et cetera. Right. That's so it, the, the. The pre-setup is an important part of the factor.
1: Absolutely. And the genre of VO widely varies in terms of what is acceptable to them, in terms of what you can slip past them, if you will, like that they won't hear or even care about. Right. And then there's where they may think they want raw, but they just want it to sound good because they know in most voice actors, they're not dumb or well-mean, meaning they just want to make their yep. audio sound better. But I've heard thousands and thousands of samples More often than not, the processing that voice actors do themselves is usually makes their raw, like actual raw audio before processing sound worse after processing than what it was. (laughs) So that is why there's this huge trend of every audition and like raw audio, don't touch it. Just don't, don't touch it because they, they've heard so much and I have heard so much butchered audio, but you can make it actually sound really good and better than raw <laughs> with, um, by getting rid of some of the junk with just EQ or maybe a little bit of de and compression. That's real, or, or light noise removal. That's kind of the, the main sets of processing. And it can just sound even better than a lot of other people when dialed in. Right. So video to, to wrap this, this whole thing up genre wise, I I've even made charts in it in my course, actually, where I break, like I have spreadsheets of genres of like, how much processing can I get away with? right yeah and so i have everything from audiobooks to ivr to e-learning to commercial to promo to trailer to sound alike work to dubbing adr for feature film for dubbing for anime to video game to anime i mean i go on those are the main categories and to really simplify it the more charactery the work is like dubbing for a thing anime animation video games the more hardcore they are but like they'll hear any they'll like they'll 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 hear out. like heavier processing like they're gonna yeah. notice something if it's not dialed in right and they're gonna be the most hardcore about like no just turn all that off I don't care if Jordan did it for you just turn it off <laughs> okay I don't, I know Jordan's very got a good ear but turn it off right because they want to control
0: it and you gotta respect that if I were to go back to some of my audio I'm gonna say like 2007 eight nine kind of in that area um, just coming out of radio knew just enough to make myself very, very dangerous. Um, and, and I know if I went back and listened to that, some of that stuff, it was so bad. Like the compression on it was so t- too much, right? Because it was trying to match that radio sound or whatever, which, yeah. you know, that's like the worst thing in the world nowadays. And so that's why I, I just, it's really important for people to understand. And I mean, particularly when, when you have C- the CEOs of online castings saying, On average, 80% of the auditions that are submitted through online casting are junk because the audio is bad. That's that's just astounding. That's an astounding statistic that came from multiple CEOs of of different online castings. And so it just goes to show that you can get get this equipment, but if you don't know what you're doing, you need to get somebody who knows what they're doing so that you can make sure that, that you are doing things properly. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the other stuff. Okay. So we've we've got our microphone, we've got our interface but we want to put together our wish list for for Santa or whatever what are some of the other fun gadgets, gadgets, gizmos what other things are, are could we be looking for that you' like, man, you need one of these in your studio you gotta have you gotta have one of those in your studio. I know you've got
1: some stuff. I'm trying to think of like it just it just depends on where you're at in your career but um, some fun non-obvious things are, let's see definitely a mic mute button so it's the mic mute ppd all right paul paul david um there's because there's like four mic me models there's like the ppr the ppt there's like so many but get the ppd and it's and it's literally just a box that's like the size of your fist and and it has a red button on it so when you sneeze yeah or fart, or you know, need to yell at the dog, or you know, <laughs> yes, curse under your breath because the client is making you do an 85th take and it, you've given them every variation possible, but they want more. <laughs> you can mute you that. You couldn't button. possibly be yeah, speaking from experience yeah, like on that, that. <laughs> yeah, and they won't hear it. Um, so, uh, unf- one thing though, on the a lot of these mic mute buttons, they're actually some of them advertise that it's a true mute, and from some of the testing, I need to get my hands on that particular model, but I have one on my mic right now and uh, um it's not a true like mute mute on a digital like on zoom it okay. turns your audio down by like 20 or 30 decibels so okay. if you're loud enough it'll come through quietly so just be aware so everyone.
0: don't be talking smack about don't the client, smack. is what you're saying yeah because yeah. they
1: might still hear you possibly but usually look what happens is we mute our mic when they are editing or talk like amongst themselves so even if your audio comes through super quiet of you cursing about them they're going to be taught like they won't catch it unless if they're sitting in dead silence and then they hear you do something but anyways it's the mic mute ppd it's a great option to wire into your to your chain it's really simple just requires a second mic cable because your mic goes into the uh button and then another cable xlr comes out of the button and into your audio interface um that's a fun toy uh, I really love Elgato. It's E-L-G-A-T-O, Elgato products. They 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 specialize in streaming, but like I have two Elgato key lights on me right now and you can yep. control the temperature.
0: Are you what do you use for your light? I've got a couple of Elgato key lights and a stream deck out at my desk that I use for live streaming zoom calls okay. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I, I love them. Yeah. Not yeah, cheap.
1: They, no, absolutely but, not. But they, but they work look like yeah, they're thi- They're as thin as an iPad almost. Yep. And they but compared to the giant like softbox stuff that you see in like studios and photo talk that's like takes
0: up it's like half. yeah of i don't a got room for
1: that yeah, yeah. so you know and so ipad or half of a bathroom softbox i'll take the ipad size please for yep. you know because a lot of us got to be on on zoom for for workshops like yeah let me let me go on a quick tangent here <laughs> please voice actors like i i am in a lot of voice workshop i teach a lot of workshop but i'm also in it as a working voice actor because i'm always you always got to level up like you know you never yep. have it all figured out and i'm doing at least like almost one workshop a month and there's 12 people usually in there and there's typically three maybe more sometimes where their video setup is so bad like or they just don't even turn you may have reasons to not turn on your camera for personal. I understand that. But if you do decide to turn it on, I encourage it because casting directors, remember faces, not headshots. And if you don't even have a headshot of what are you doing? Sorry, side tangent yeah. mark, but this is important because like you're about marketing and stuff. If you're in these workshops, people, and you turn off your camera, because it's not your turn, whatever, just upload a headshot or a good like portrait mode from your iPhone with good lighting outside. Take that photo, put it on there. So you look memorable. There's a face instead of just Jr like with black background okay so first of all do that second if you do decide to turn on your camera all webcams have a wide range in quality but you can get away with a cheap webcam if you have just a decent light on you so you yep. just get a good ring light that's like 30 dollars. you don't need to get this expensive elgato one and just make sure your face is lit enough in your dark i have black foam in my booth so i need a lot of lighting to see you know my, my pasty face but it's 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 important that you're seen well enough on camera so it doesn't look cheap and make sure you're if you can, if possible, please put your webcam not on your ceiling. Okay. like it looks like because that's what happens
0: when I, are... I talk to my mom i'm like trying to have a conversation with my mom and i'm staring at the chandelier and i'm like what? oh because
1: her laptop screen is like yeah." yeah it's she like turns the top her, of her ipad hair.
0: or she's she sits her ipad in her lap and it just aims <laughs> up at the ceiling or whatever but you yeah. know this is actually it's i'm glad you brought this up because it is something i think that doesn't get talked about even think about and you you would know better than me because you probably do a we, I know you do way more directed sessions than i do but even doing directed sessions more and more i'm doing these sessions with clients via zoom or google meets right it's not just source connect yeah and and we are going on video and so like i did put a ring light in my studio i'm in my booth right now i've got a ring light you know to to help because it was very dark in here i had before just had like you know, mood lighting, hanging from the ceiling or whatever, like the leaves that I could make, you know, different (laughs) colors or whatever. But then I'm like, wow, this looks terrible when I'm, when I'm on camera. And so, yeah, you know, 50 bucks on prime day or whatever, get a, get a ring light and it really does make a difference. So, you know, that's actually something that I think, I think we probably should pay a little bit more attention to.
1: Yeah. And if you can't afford it, look for this on black Friday. I don't know if it's going to go on sale, but, um, I highly recommend the Logitech Brio. All right. They have like a yep. streaming one. Other, It's expensive, man. Like, I think it's 150 usually. It's really pricey compared to, but like, dude, you, you can get away with mediocre to really good lighting. And like, that's what I'm on right now. I did my course on it, yep. multiple courses, you know, Um, and, and it's what I I'll, I have another one in my booth because I've, I try to use the seat, the nine sorry, C920, which is like a hundred bucks, I think. And it, that, that webcam is crap compared to the Brio. The Brio is just way more smooth and fluid and, and evens the, the skin tone better and the lighting. So yep. um, Logitech Brio, that's another fun one. And I'm trying to think of one more fun, like side accessory toy. Um, if, you've never con- if your audio interface is not in your booth and you have to get out of your booth to go change your headphone volume, consider getting a headphone amp. Okay. You don't need to go expensive because you're not doing critical audio work in your booth. You just need to hear yourself and the client. So anything like by PreSonus, they make the HP4, but there's actually one. Hold on. Behringer makes one and it's crazy cheap. This is my other final, final recommendation. Behringer headphone amp, because a lot of headphone amps are for big recording studios where they want to split it out to the band, the guitar and the bass, right? Um, We don't need that. We just need one (laughs) pair of headphones to plug into. And Behringer makes one. Behringer makes one of the few that is just... You plug one pair of headphones into it, and it's not $500. It's called the Micromon MA400. Mike Behringer. So uh, Mark will put this in the show notes, right? Yep,
0: I'll put everything (laughs) in the show notes. I will,
1: yes. So yeah, Behringer, Micromon. Be able to write it down now, though. Uh, MA400, all right? Uh, Because that is, it's tiny, and you can run an additional cable coming out of your headphone amp from your 2i2 that's maybe in another room and run it a cable into your booth and then have a control over your headphone volume because there's a lot of voice actors i work work with for my audio ninja clients who like they don't have control of their headphone volume so they're just they just deal with it so if a client's too loud they just eat it if they're too quiet they just deal and that's just not good because that's okay on a five-minute session but on an hour-long session yeah. yeah yeah Like i'll go in especially in studios i i, I know this because because voice actor just we're, we're 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 creative and we're polite like we're we know we're like work for hire right so it's just like we don't want to rock the boat to rock yep. the boat baby right so yep. if I, I go into studios all the time in la where i i know that the mic gain changes and that will affect how loud i hear myself so i'm not taking that into account i don't touch the volume knob i put on the headphones and I hear how either loud or quiet the talk back is or the client on Zoom that's directing me, or if, mm-hmm. and it's like either deafening or I can barely hear anything. And I know that last actor didn't ask to change anything. And yep. you can, folks, just polite and sometimes they can. Sometimes they yep. can't, but just, it does not be like, Hey, you're you're coming in pretty loud. Is there any way you could possibly turn yourself down? Cause I, I I'm I'm unable to do that on my end because it would turn me down too. Oh yep. yeah. Usually they can do that. So sorry, random side tangent, but headphone amps. No. Yep. It's a thing. All
0: right. Well, okay. So we're talking headphones, amps. Let's talk headphones. One more, one more set of of gear recommendation for this one. I, uh, I actually have gotten as a, as a recovering radio guy, I used to have to have headphones on when I was in the booth. I just couldn't not because of 20 years of radio, (laughs) I've gotten better at not wearing them in the booth, but I mean, I, I had to go out when, uh, when audio technica came out with the, with the orange ones, right? Like. Like, right? It's the brand. I had to go buy them. Uh, what, what are you, uh, any, any special recommendations for, for headphones? Because I know that a lot of voice actors, even you don't wear them in the booth, a lot are using them for editing and you do want to have a good set of headphones when you're editing. So what should we be looking for? Um,
1: if you're balling on a budget, the honestly, anything, the audio technica, a T H series. So a T H dash on the blank there's the m20 m30x m40x m50 i think there's was literally 20 30 50 and there's even the 70s don't get the 70s Ugh. i think
0: um, the the ones i got are the 50s and, I, you have and the 50s. I literally only bought them because they came out with orange ones and i <laughs> like i did not need them but i had to have them <laughs> That I get it. I get it. Well, luckily they sound
1: really good for the money. But those are around like hundred sixty US, and that's that's out of some people's budgets. And especially if you're just doing um, audio or need headphones for editing, those are my favorite. Um, for the for but I think they start at thirty dollars. I think the M twenty Xs might be thirty or forty, maybe fifty max. But like if you can get fifty, is like a good sweet spot. Like you're you can't go wrong if you spend that on studio grade headphones. Um, don't get anything that says DJ. All right or um gaming avoid those words when you buy your headphones so that honestly i love that range now once we hit that hundred dollar mark my absolute favorite is the sennheiser uh hd 280s hd 280 pros there's a pro at the end of it um why because they are they do the less the the least amount of um uh color they 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 don't add crap to it that you don't need The audio technicas are great, but they're fairly bright and they add a lot of bass, uh, particularly around 200 hertz. And the problem with that is, is if for editing, no problem. But if you, there's a lot of you voice actors who like to experiment with EQ and figure out how does my audio sound and they want to learn stuff. The M50Xs are not the most, what I call neutral. They're boosting the bass, they're boosting, right? So if you ever want to do anything beyond just editing and submitting your audition, if you want to learn more about your audio and improve it um, like via my course or whatever, trying to hear stuff on YouTube that someone's teaching you um, when you're hearing something, it's like, it's like putting on blurry glasses. It's the best way I could describe it. Right. You know, you put on glasses that change the color of what you're looking at and then you take them off. You're like, Oh, that's what unfortunately most headphones are. Why do they do that? Cause everyone's got to have their own sound. It's a, it's a big topic, yeah. but the problem is, is if you're hearing something through a blurry set of headphones, if you want to call it that, if you try to shape something and you want it to sound good on everything else like some like someone's airpods or in someone's car or blaring over a pa system at a concert venue if you're starting with what you're changing with eq and compression through a blurry set of headphones then it's not going to ter- the term is translate well right. to other platforms okay. so the, back to the sennheisers
0: the hd280s are very neutral for for the I think money. that's actually what i had yeah. And I think they're probably in the drawer here behind me, actually. But then I, I just <laughs> had to get the other ones because they were orange. But yeah. So, OK, good. I'm, I'm glad to know I got I got good ones anyway. <laughs> they're good.
1: The, sometimes they clamp people's heads too tight. So yes. Yes. Heard that. You can put it on a basketball for a week. Let's stretch out that band. Oh, you know? there,
0: there's a pro tip.
1: <laughs> I don't basketball might be too big. Some ball cantaloupe. I don't know. Bo- volleyball. I don't know
0: how big. something is as big as your head. head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I've got he, a big ass head. You you've uh, you've touched on it a couple times you've mentioned some of the classes that you offer. I know you've got two, two main ones anyway. You've got your yeah. Apollo course and you've got your Audio Ninja masterclass. So tell us a little bit more about those because I know that there's definitely a lot that voice actors need to learn in both spaces, but particularly the Audio Ninja thing if if 80% of our auditions have crap audio then <laughs> yeah. clearly there's a few of us that need to fix some things.
1: Absolutely. Now, um to to, to really summarize it the in 2021, I mean you know, that's like the peak of like, oh, COVID's sticking around, <laughs> right? We're like almost a year in and it's like, okay, it's, we're going to be isolated for a while and we got to, you know, there's stuff we got and we have time to yep. learn, right? There's, So I made the course um, in early 2021 because I was shocked. I surveyed it because I didn't just assume and so many talent, like a lot of talent wanted to learn everything from EQ to compression to noise, like how, how is my noise floor? Are my S's too bright? Do I need to get a shotgun mic? Like, there's just all these questions that can't really be yep. quite answered in like an interview format or even just a YouTube video. Yep. Um, and all of them are connected to each other. So why yep. didn't I just make a course that's just like how to EQ your voice? Because eh, there's more to it than that. So the Audio Ninja Masterclass is a pre-recorded course. There's no no, no things you have to attend and put in your calendar, and it covers everything. From A to Z in the prevention phase of like, how do we get junk to not get into your audio base, buildup, boxy, boothy sounds, horrible S's mouth clicks, all that stuff. How do we get, how do we prevent that from getting in? Let's right. let me show you how, oh, is there junk left over? Yes, there always is some form. Some people have more junk than others, right? Yeah. You you can't like turn off your neighbor's AC because it's 120 degrees out and you live in Vegas. You can't go bash on. Why? Why do you need a cold air? I'm a voice actor. You can't do that. (laughs) So maybe you need some noise removal. How do you do it correctly without ruining your audio? Maybe your noise floor, you think my noise floor is so quiet. No one ever complains, right? (laughs) And then I show you, I literally have like a chart that you can load your noise floor into. And I will expose to you, how professional is it? It's not just the, what the meter says. It's not, oh, it says negative 60. I'm good. I'm good. No, it's not that simple, unfortunately. There's a little more to it. I show you. So if you are empowered to learn that stuff, that is what the masterclass is all about. So be sure to check right. it out. And most importantly, I make it fun. There's a lot of boring, yeah. like it's it's tech, it's audio. Blah. Most people don't care. I make it really like I'm going to make you laugh continuously throughout the thing.
0: So, I mean, I think you, you said you created it in COVID because you're home and you've got time and, you know, I, I got time to do this. But then also people are at home and they want to learn. I think the other side of that equation, though, was this was the beginning of the true rise of the home studio, right? Like, yes, we've 100%. all had home studios for a long time, but all of the sudden places that never had embraced it or never accepted it previously did. Yeah, Cities had and to agents and whatever. <laughs> and they had to, which makes it that much more important yep. that us as voice actors have at least a base knowledge of, of some of this stuff to make sure that we're putting out good audio. Yeah. And a lot of times you don't just be just
1: because you're not getting negative feedback about your audio doesn't mean your audio is great. Yeah. All right. Like, I, I mean, I'm not saying like, I'm not trying to scold anyone, but a lot of people just go off of that. And that's a fair data set to go off. Well, no one said anything. It must be good or great. Eh, it might just be passable. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I know this for a fact because I hear like, I, I've worked with like big voice actors in video games, promos, like guys making million dollars or more. I'm not exaggerating. Okay. Especially like in the promo trailer world. And I'll get there. And they're like, Hey man, I just want just, to, I just want, no one's ever complained, but I just want to, what do you think? And I'll hear and I'm like, it's not because I'm looking for a problem. I hate those engineers. Like, you know, I need to be important. Yep. I need to feel important. Like when you upload right. your demo in a Facebook group, hey guys, what do you think of my new demo? Oh, everyone's going to have an opinion because they want to feel valuable and important. Um, but some people, obviously, a lot of people mean well, but some people just need to feel like they're valuable and have to give feedback yep. to scrutinize. I'm not that guy. I don't have that yep. small of an ego. Um, so with uh but you'd be surprised that some of these people are making a lot of money how much you could still improve your audio uh whether you do it yourself like through the course um or you just hire me directly to do it which is also an option and that and to catty corner that into uh i also have a uad apollo course because so many talent buy this thing and they open up the software and they're like (laughs) they just they're like what am i gonna do this is terrifying crap you know what yeah because it's yeah. made for audio engineers. So I yeah. whittle all that down like, hey, voiceover people, put it in the small box. Here's all you need to know. And here's how you make your stuff sound really good. Because that's what you paid for. Why'd you pay so much money for this? Just for it to be a glorified volume knob. Right. So right. Um, I, and I have presets built in there and everything that I, I help you get started with and then shape your own sound. So okay. um, whether a lot of people fall into one and two camps or in between. They want to learn all the stuff themselves because it makes themselves valuable to their clients and mm-hmm. adaptable. Yep. What if you move from a blanket booth into a walk-in closet? Cause you just, you, you had to, you it won't fit in your new space that you moved to, or you upgrade yep. from a blanket booth to a studio bricks. Your sound yep. changes. Yeah. If you have something like this course, it, you can walk through it, right. And like redo and, and establish, Oh wait, is my noise force still good? Or how am my is now? Is there too much fishbowl buildup? that's what
0: these, these things can help you do. Um, and you, and you just take what you need. You can cherry pick what you need. So. Okay. And tell us where we can find them. And then I'll include that in the show notes as well. If we're looking for either one of those classes. Yeah. Um, honestly, the easiest way is, um,
1: dot slash links, L I N K S not links with an X, like the cat really cool cat, by the way, but that would be confusing. So L I N K
0: S is where the easiest way to find it. Everything. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes. All right. Well, Jordan, this has been awesome. Uh, w- are you on Instagram? I am.
1: Uh, Jordan's voice. So Jordan with an S, then voice. That, that's honestly what I'm on mostly. So
0: Facebook. Jordan's bit, voice. Okay. So Instagram's the best when one. you go <laughs> out and you do your Black Friday shopping and you pick up, you know, one of these microphones or interfaces or, you know, your mic mute button or any of the stuff that we've talked about in the last hour or so, uh, you know, take a picture of it, post it on, uh, post it on Instagram, tag us. At Jordan's voice, I'll include that in the show notes at Mark Scott. Uh, we'd love to see what kind of fun stuff you were picking up or, or what went on your your wish list for Santa Claus this holiday season. Jordan, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time and, and for sharing your wisdom with us and giving us some recommendations and uh, working hard to help us all be able to deliver just a little bit better quality audio. You got it, man. No,
1: It's an honor to be here. I love your podcast. I listen to it all the time, so it's cool to be on it and and to... to add some gems amongst the many gems that you give to your listeners. So thanks for
0: having me, man. Hopefully you've got a few new gear suggestions that you are writing down, things that are going onto your list. I might look for one of those mute buttons. I kind of like the idea of that. And maybe it's time for me to finally spend the money on the Mogami cables, because when Jordan explained it the way that he did, all of a sudden it kind of made sense. I hope you've learned a few things and maybe added a couple of items to your wish list. Remember, if you do a little shopping, make sure that you take a picture and post it on Instagram and tag me at Mark Scott and tag Jordan at Jordan's voice. We'd love to see the new toys that you've added to your studio as a result of this episode. I do hope you've enjoyed it. I do hope you've learned a couple of things. And if you have, can you do me one quick favor? Take a minute to leave a five-star review wherever you are listening to this podcast right now. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever it is, those five-star reviews help other people to be able to discover the show. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday Veopreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly. We think.
1: You have a great website, right? Well, make sure you host it at some place that doesn't suck. Hey, it's Brad Newman, fellow VO Pro for 28 years and owner of UpperLevelHosting.com. People ask why us, and that's simple. We make it easy, respect your time, save you money, and just make all the magic happen. You don't need to know all the tech stuff when it comes to hosting your website. We got you. Ask around tens of thousands of client interactions later and six years of amazing customer service and not a single negative complaint ever. UpperLevelHosting.com.
0: And see. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more Vopreneur goodness? Jump online at Vopreneur.com.